talk us through those 80 minutes. No, we prepared to win. We knew that we were here to make history. The whole week, that's what we told ourselves. And you know what? I'm so proud of the boys. Absolutely humbled. And the guys came out. They played with enormous testicles. And we absolutely did it. Fantastic effort. I'm such a happy captain. G'day, one and all, and welcome to the Dropped Kickoff. It's a new year, it's a new season, we've got Super Rugby AU, we've got Super Rugby Eritrea, we've got a Super Rugby combined trans-Tasman competition, hopefully, and it's great to be back here. I'm joined uh, once again by uh, Nathan Williamson. Hey, Nathan, how you doing, mate? I'm doing great. On the verge of rugby season, looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 been... <laughs> It's been a strange couple. It's been a strange couple of months ever since footy went off. The went off, and we were wondering exactly what this year was going to look like. But it's shaping up to be a beauty. Um, and we're also joined by Jack O'Rourke. Hi, Jack. How are you? Good, mate. I'm well. Keen to yeah, keen to watch some rugby. It's, uh, the good thing about it, you know, the delayed season with the pandemic is you know it's a shorter gap in between seasons. So less than a month to go till Super Rugby kicks off. Yeah, it feels weird, doesn't it? Feels like it's 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 barely been gone <laughs> after the end of the of the of the Tri Nation series that we had last year, and so yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. So for all of it, everyone listening, um, Drop Kickoff will be back this year. We'll be it will be aiming to do uh, similar to what we did last year, um, some fun Q and A's where we basically get you to hit us up with your hot takes, your hard questions, your controversial opinions. We pick out the best ones and we answer them. Literally right here in this podcast, you know what to do. You know what it is, um, and we'll have a look at these questions, and we'll either agree, we'll disagree, we'll argue about it, whatever. Um, we'll be able to do a uh, do these little podcasts every couple of weeks, um, as well as uh, chucking in you know a couple of uh, interview shows uh, here and there. Um, so that'll be our year this year. Um, so our first question for the year. And I'm, um, is from a gentleman from the Pick and Drive Rugby, Mark Anderson. Shout out to Pick and Drive Rugby on the um, on the pod. And he asked the question, and I'm going to throw throw this one to you, Natho. Mark asked the question, who is going to win Super Rugby AU and why will it be the Tars? <laughs> do, you oh. agree, do you agree? Do you disagree? As as a Sydney boy, I would love to, dis- to agree. Um, <laughs> I, with, with no Michael Hooper, it's, it's too much for the Tars this year. Um, I'm... Tell you what, I'm leading towards a similar final to this year. I think the force will be your big surprise packet and your big movers. But I'm actually leading towards Queensland this year. I think another year, uh, the side is relatively the same, or the core pieces are. Your likes of McWright, Wright, Wilson, uh, Hamish Stewart, who I think is in for a big year, Jock Campbell, all getting another year under their belt. Uh, from all reports, it seems like it's been a sort of un... Or non, un, non unsettled preseason, which has been a positive. I'll, you know, New South Wales and the Brumbies have been a bit up and down. But I reckon this is the year Queensland finally take that step, finally essentially establish themselves as the team to beat heading into that Trans Tasman tournament. Yeah, look, it's a, it's an interesting one. I think it, it, it's got to be the year that that one of them. That either the Re- I think you know the rebels have been have been touted to to make some sort of final appearance in a while. They've got so much talent there. Um, the Reds are due. The Reds are due, and it would be ideal to have one of those teams uh, take out the competition. Surely, just to be some 
just to add some more competition to it because the Brumbies have had such a, a stranglehold, not just in terms of, I mean, obviously we only had the Super Rugby AU for one season last year, but just it's been clear in the, in the last couple of years that pretty much since the Tars won the 2014 grand final, uh, that the Brumbies have easily been the pick of the world, the, the, the Super Rugby sides. And it's time for these other sides to stand up. Um, I think if the, if the Reds or the Rebels do that, I think that's a great chance. But in answer to the question, that, that Mark poses us here. Um, I, I, I'm sorry, Mark, I'm going to have to disagree with you. Hard, hard disagree. But that's not to say that I don't think the Waratahs will improve this year. I think they made a lot of great progress um, over the course um, of last season. It was a season that was always going to be a tough one, uh, in my opinion. They um, And they showed great growth during Super Rugby AU. They did, they did struggle during the, the season season. Um, during the, the initial season before it was cancelled, but they they did come into their own. And they've got so many young guys that look fantastic uh, at the moment. Um, you, Will your Will Harrison's, your Mark Nung, your Mark Noangalitaase's, your Alex Newsons, your Harry Johnson Holmes's. Um, a lot of great, a lot of great guys there. Um, even more, I'm just going to say, even more coming through for Tars. I think they're at a similar spot where the Reds were a couple of years ago. You, as you guys mentioned before. Uh, with the likes of Johnson, Holmes, Harrison. You're going to see a couple more guys come into the field. Um, I think especially at halfback, Jack Grant, if he gets a um, chance. I really like him from Easts. Um, the wild card for me as that fly half coming off the bench, um, Tane Edmund, who was mm. at Ramwick, going to Eastwood. I got to watch him a couple of times, and he is, an, he is a delight to watch. He takes the ball to the line. His decision-making is incredible. And I think the likes of him, uh, at the ground, as I mentioned before, Carlo Dezano, I think there's going to be a time where you really start to see these people step up and kind of create that depth that's been missing in New South Wales rugby. Yeah. But I just don't see it being a title team. Yeah, I, I have to agree with that. Well, let's let's just amend, um, like switch this question slightly. I'm going to bring you in, Jack, for this one. Do you see any other team beating the Brumbies this year? Ooh, I was just looking at the Brumbies roster there. They're stacked right across the board. Um, and they've got some quality depth and... They've held on to most of their squad, so I don't see any reason why they won't be back in the final. And I think it'll be with the Reds. The Reds have, you know, they've got to get better this year. And uh, their centre combo with, uh, I think it'll be Paisami at the tyre this mm. year. And, and I'd love to see some bombs across the field to uh, Vunavali. That'd be pretty awesome. Uh, my smoky though, is the force. I think, mm. you know, they've recruited right across the board and not just, you know, they brought in some top recruits and it's almost in every position. So they're building that depth and they've got some, you know, internationals on board like Thomas Kubeli and, and uh, you know, Rob Kearney is the big marquee signing. So I, I think they could, uh, they could, they could do some damage in the comp. I feel like they've, I feel like they've, they've assembled half the Argentinian squad there in the, in the, for, uh, in the force, like half the Haguaris are, have, have come over there, not to mention Tavita Kirindrani, Rob yeah. Kearney as well, um, and of course Jake McIntyre um, coming back, uh, which will be a massive, massive uh, uh, bo- uh, positive boost for them at fly half. But they've yeah, I'd, I'd agree. Some, yeah, they've recruited some big boys in the pack as well. A bit of Argentina beef. Yeah. So I, I don't mind that as well. If with these like international people you bring in, like that lack of cohesion is usually a big thing. But considering the basically stolen half the Hagawara's team, like it's gonna be, it's gonna work really well, I reckon, from day dot for them. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, look, I don't know. I, I like they are definitely 
the dark horse right now. And I, and I think the force won't mind that. I reckon they will be a bloody hard team to beat if they get to play at home because the Sea of Blue really brings out the best in them. Um, easily the best fans in Super um, in, in Australia, in my opinion, when it comes to, to sheer passion and support. Um, it's just I think, though, the only thing that will affect the force is if they need to hit the ground running this year, effectively, because the season is short. Cohesion is key. And if they don't get that cohesion, it doesn't matter if you if you have a championship team, uh, you're not going to get anywhere if you don't have that cohesion. Um, so I think we're all in agreement in this question. Sorry, sorry, Mark. Uh, sorry, Ando. It's we don't think the Tars are going to win this one. Um, but that leads us on to our second uh, tough question again from Pick and Drive. Cheers for you. you we're well. We, uh, we normally would only just pick one, but you threw in the great second question here, and I'm going to also throw this one to you, Nathan, to kick us off. So Mark asked the question around, because we've talked a lot about, there's been a lot of talk around the financial stability of our, of our teams and, and whether super, we can afford to have five Super Rugby franchises. And he asked, is partial private ownership for, for our Super Rugby teams the answer to bring in more dollars and prevent players heading north? Nathan, do we agree? Do we disagree? Oh, absolutely. We should have been doing this five years ago, in my opinion. <laughs> um, here's the thing. I, you look at the American, you look at the European leagues, and you see how much, not even partial, but full private ownership can really turn around a club. They, just a little influx of cash, how it, all of a sudden you're recruiting the best names, you get the best facilities. And it's, something that's, it's not a rugby thing. It's, a, it's an Australian thing in general. It's looked down on as apparently just this negative thing, but it's the future. We've got to catch up. And if rugby can do that, Rugby's, let's face it, rugby should have the contacts that we can attract some big names, some particular mining magnet somewhere out in Western Australia <laughs> who wants to continue putting into the Western force at an accelerated rate. But, like, it's, it's the future. We, like, it's, you're going to have to accept it. It's what's going to happen in this modern world. And rugby would be dumb if they decided not to go down that path in the next couple of years. Yeah, look, we have talked about this a lot in, in previous podcasts, whether it be the Green and Gold podcast or, or occasionally in the Dropped Kickoff. And it's a, in terms of a pure business venture, I mean, this, we see this happen a lot in in uh, in France. Like, you know, you have your, your Toulons, your Toulouses, your whoever it may be taken up by a private owner and they can afford to run it at a loss. Um, it's an interesting question. I think... Turning it into a lucrative enterprise, I think, is the mentality that many people have here in Australia. And while I do see the point, there is also that validity uh, in terms of if you if you actually have a financial backer who is willing to fork out the money, why not use it? And I think that is the case for the force with with Twiggy and all of the stuff that he was doing with Global Rapid Rugby. Yeah, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. I can't really disagree or disagree with this one. It's a it's a bloody good question. I think in terms of it, if it was a t in terms of actually having the money to be able to compete with it, it might be an option that we might have to turn to um, in the future. Uh, whether it, whether or not it actually fixes uh, fixes our problems in terms of you know uh, having us remain competitive at a professional level and keep that player uh, keep that that talent here is anyone's guess. But a great question. Interesting that you agree. Very interesting. What do you reckon, Jack? Yeah, where are all the billionaires? <laughs> There's a lot of them. Where are they? Rugby likes, <laughs> rugby likes sport. We get the reputation that you know we're a posh sport and we're all we're all bankers and you know North Shore guys with million dollar <laughs> bank accounts. Mafia. Few, yeah, there's a surely there's a few billionaires around that can you know, take over a team. There is, <laughs> you know, you, but 
you do look at uh, the French league and the English league where it's all these owners and they're piling money in after money and yeah they they're just they're losing money at all times so um, whether it's a sustainable model who knows but if you know southern hemisphere rugby needs to compete with that then yeah we got to get some private ownership in there i think uh, rugby needs to grow up a bit and realize it's it's not a sport it's a business in terms of professionalism um, yeah, you know uh, i think we should embrace private equity maybe and and take that money and set up our own you know broadcasting uh, situation where we can produce our own content because that's what all the major sports leagues are doing. You know, you see NBA, you see NFL, you see EPL. No one's ever saying that they're selling out. It's just the business. It's the nature of it and it's entertainment. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned this. And I think uh, Benny Alexander, um, I've been having some chats with him and he's been advocating for this for a while, the idea that, Rugby actually, you own the content from start to finish. Um, you turn it, you, you, every head on head into streaming, head where everyone else is going, um, which I think rugby is doing this year by with with the stand with the stand model. Um, and uh, it's it's interesting that because Benny basically proposes that we actually create our own platform. You pay your subscription fee, whatever it may be, and you get access to all the rugby you could ever want just in one place. And that way, you own it from start to finish, which would which would be an interesting. Interesting decision, and I think you know Ben. Ben might be onto something, but it's a constant that's debate. The, but yeah, that's what all the major you know uh, sporting corporations in America do. They they produce their own content and they sell it off to the highest bidder on on, on different networks. So, mm. yeah, it's an interesting one. All right, I think we'll uh, we'll leave that question there. So it's a, a, a it's a question of debate, but I think we are all in agreement that there should be at least some sort of private equity uh, analysis in there to tr- uh, private equity investment uh, into rugby to try and stop uh, you know keeping keeping our talent here and keeping that development going. So we'll now move on to a tweet from from Rugby and Stuff, who's a regular uh, regular person who we interact with on Twitter. Shout out to you, mate. Um, and he asked the question, continuing uh, with the theme of this upcoming season, we have Super Rugby AU coming, but then after that is a proposed, well, is a uh, merged uh, New Zealand-Australian comp. And uh, given the current status of the world right now, uh, Rugby and Stuff asked the question, with the Trans-Tasman comp, Looking like a pipe dream, what other option should be available to us? He added the question, should we do the club championship? Should we bring back the NRC? Uh, what should what should we do here? Do what do you reckon, Jack? Do we do we what do we what do we go with here in the event the trans Tasman doesn't go ahead? Well, I think I think we should organize some sort of rugby island for the uh, the trans Tasman. <laughs> like Australia or New Zealand. We we get all the teams together, maybe on, you know, go to Fiji or Tonga, all stay there, quarantine there, and have a battle royale, you know, like the UFC. Um, but in all seriousness, yeah, maybe the, if, it, if it doesn't go ahead, which I, I don't see why it won't, I think New Zealand will, you know, open their borders soon enough. But uh, we got a bit of time up our sleeve. But if it doesn't go ahead, I think, I think you're right. I think it's the perfect time to maybe test the club comp. Um, I was a big fan of the the NRC, but uh, yeah, it didn't just it didn't get that support and it didn't get that tribalism. So I wonder, yeah, if, if the club comp can get support, then that's great. Um, if it's a long term option, then uh, the, I think the clubs need to get serious about whether they're grassroots or professional. There, there can't be any in between. And 
And the big question with the club comp is who who gets in, you know? Yeah, the format gets really complicated. Um, but we could all we could go on all day about the structure, but uh, it would mean that uh, the clubs that can support themselves probably get a spot and it'll be interesting and it'd provide Stan with uh, plenty of games and plenty of coverage, so. Yeah, oh, look, I'm, it's a, it is, I don't even know what, even know what the status of the NRC is anymore. Is it officially dead or is it? I think so. Yeah. It's got to be at this stage. Because I've heard, I've heard mixed things. I've heard it's on, then it's off again. Um, I know that this whole, this whole club, club comp thing, even that has been a bit of a, it's on again, it's off again. We don't know yet. Lots of question marks around that, that third tier. The few, uh, you know, Australian refers to it as the defunct NRC. So I think that closes the book on that. Which is disappointing because uh, it's a it was a fantastic development development pathway, and I'm still really not convinced about the club competition for a multitude of of reasons. I mean, in terms of uh, engagement, I'm certain it would do it would do really well. Um, certainly a lot better than the NRC than the NRC did. But again, it, I think you, you nailed the point in the question around well, if if these if certain clubs are being picked, then the question is, you know, which ones? And I personally think that. If if so, if only certain clubs get selected, then that will surely impact all of the players who actually have aspirations of playing professional, a little professional, and you'll pretty much have players going to just those clubs that are get, which will mean that it, you know, the, your likes of your shoot shield will stop becoming a, uh, an actual competitive competition with multiple teams in contention, and it will boil down to the teams that just will get into the club competition, because all the good players will be in one place. Um, so I'm not totally convinced about it, Nathan. What do you reckon? Do you reckon? Do you reckon uh, that a club competition is the potential option here? Uh, I'd say the back jacks be one. It's it's very complicated to get it all sorted out. How much how much weight do you put on a New South Wales comp as compared to a Queensland? As compared to a Western Australian? As compared to a Victorian and the rest of the line? Um, like the way I was thinking is um, the part of that broadcast deal. The one thing that stood out was that state of union or whatever you want to call it, state of origin style type event that was all of a sudden put up to broadcasters. And essentially, if, say, it all goes up in smoke, we can't get to New Zealand, we can't get anywhere, basically bringing that in, having your New South Wales, your Queensland, maybe a Western Australian and like an Allies team with your Vicks and your um, ACT players and playing that, I think that's probably, it's something new, it's something that you probably can market through nine or stand, or another thing is just re- actually release the players back to club competition. Like mm. as much as they <laughs> want to say, oh, they love, club, they get people back, they get all the rugby people back. When was the last time Mark Looper played for Manly? <laughs> yeah, did never. He, did he... <laughs> he hasn't played for at least five or six years. He tried to get back to him for the last game, yet all the politi- politicking made sure that it was literally impossible. If you could get everyone back to their clubs, make sure. It's an even distribution of players. You could get some decent competition, and all of a sudden, that's the beauty of rugby. That's the, for me, that's your grassroots. If you have, say, imagine, because I, I, I like my team, I'll throw it out here, a Rambic <laughs> versus Manly, where you have Mark Looper go back to Manly, you get Will Harrison go back to Randwick at Coogee Oval, you put that on a screen and you say, this is the heart of rugby. And in, in a year, say, if it's all closed down, it's probably affecting other sports. But to, to be able to show that off and be like, this is essentially our heart. This is, hopefully you get people attending, 
this is and basically say this is our heart this is what we've made of this is what essentially makes us different i think that's probably the way to go if that if the trans thousand competitions off the books but i really hope that it, is, it comes back for 2021 i'm really looking forward to it so again it's i know it's knocking touch wood let's just hope it, it goes ahead yeah, look, uh, look. I, I, again, I think the, I, I wanna, I wanna argue with this. I do wanna argue with this, but I'm aware we got to move on. Because, but uh, I think let's. It's a. I, I like your idea of the uh, of the of the state of origin um, idea that to come afterwards. You have your players, no matter what franchise they're from, they go back and, and you have a, a, a state, an actual state of origin competition. But yeah, I'm when it comes to this idea, the idea of the club competition, I'm still very much uh, to be to be convinced. Um, if it works, then that is fantastic. I'll very happily eat my words on it. Um, and I think it definitely will work from an engagement perspective. But I know for a fact that if you are up in Queensland or down in Canberra, um, you likely won't give a damn about whatever ha- whatever's happening in Sydney. You want to see your team in your respective uh, team do well. But look, we're not going to get into this. I'm not going to argue any further. I can't. can't do it. Ah! Agreeing and disagreeing. <laughs> At all. <laughs> It always it'll continue for the next five ten years, no matter which way they go. It's nat- <laughs> just a natural progression of time. I know we always argue about exactly. Oh, this is the way forward. No, this is the way forward. No, this is the way forward. It's just rugby politics in a nutshell. Yeah. Um. Let's move on to our next uh, next question. Um. And this came from Red Block Twenty Five. Shout out to Red Block on uh, on Twitter. Um. And this question I've got for Jack, uh, to to kick us off with. Um, in addition to, you know, Super Rugby Eritrea, Super Rugby AU, um, potential club competition, whatever it may be, um, we've also got international rugby returning, and one of the big ones is up the proposed British and Irish Lions tour of South Africa, um, which is coming at a very interesting time. South Africa have not played a rugby game uh, in terms of an international Springbok game since uh, they won the World Cup, uh, feels like 38 years ago. Um and Red Block asked the question: Is there any possible chance there of of a lion of the Lions tour going ahead? Jack, I feel like I'm throwing you a hospital pass with this one. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I know that's the that's the big debate raging around the uh, the Northern Hemisphere at the moment. Uh, there's there's plenty of opinions on it and plenty of discussion going on. It's it's, it's a very tricky situation. There's there's rumours that'll be just staged in England. I think that just defeats the whole purpose of the Lions tour. Um, if they can have it in England, surely they can have it in South Africa. Uh, you know, England England seems to be way worse off than South Africa. I know, you know, there's you know different different circumstances in South Africa, but um, I don't think they can move it till to 2022. The the, the rugby calendar in that year is just crazy there'll be no space for it um if they if they do have to tinker with it they surely it'll just be pushed back till the end of the year um but i i think you know all the players are keen all the all the teams are keen it's just whether the you know the the quarantining and 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 all that sort of stuff is worth it um because it'd be a shame to to miss out it's like one of those rare spectacles that rugby has over any other sport is is the touring the touring life and and the uh you know all, all the great content that comes out of you know the tours with the uh with the uh kangaroo courts and the, the 
and the uh, the midweek games and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, it'd be a real shame. Yeah, look, it's an interesting one. Um, what are, what are you what are your thoughts on it, Nathan? Oh, it's tough, isn't it? Like yeah, but it you're gonna look into a crystal ball and try and figure out what each COVID state's can be be like at that time. Um, but I think if you're willing to quarantine and if you're willing to essentially do that hard yards, like we're seeing here in Australia with the Australian Open, like you can get it done. The question that's got to be, is it worth doing knowing that you, there's a big potential that you're not going to have fans there? And mm. for me, the fans do make that experience. Watching those, uh, all the British Lions fans head over, the South Africans will be mad to watch their team. Essentially, it's the first time they've played since a World Cup. So, like, they're going to be looking for anything to go to and cheer on their their world champions. And if they can't, does it take away from the spectacle? It's a real tough question. I think there's, there's always a chance of it happening, but it's. I think the better question is, is it worth it? Mm, it's a, like a moral question. Dang. It's tough. <laughs> it really is. Well, in my opinion, I'm going with a with a kind of a concrete response here. I think it is going to go ahead. And the reason why I think it's going to go ahead, even if there are fans playing or not, um, I'm aware right now there was news out of, out of the UK uh, a couple of days back that there was basically talks that fans won't be able to go uh, in terms of if you are British or in, you know, in the British Isles. Um, you won't be able to go to South Africa, um, which will make it a lot more difficult for that uh, for that British and Irish Lions team. Um, similarly, though, all of those boys have had essentially two Six Nations campaigns as well as uh, a relatively uninterrupted club season, uh, where South Africa have only currently, as of as of us uh, talking, have only played one season of Super Rugby. I think it's unlocked. So they haven't really had the chance to play at, at uh, international level for quite some time, which I always think was going to put them at a significant disadvantage um, co- coming into this series. <sighs> Frankly, there's so m- it's such a lucrative um, opportunity for the host nation, um, whether even if it just comes down to you know the. Uh, the 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 actual money in terms of uh, you know broadcast deals and everything and I think that South African Rugby Union will be moving heaven and earth to try and get this competition to get to, to try and get the British and Irish Lions there even if they don't have any players there because the actual broadcast earnings have to uh, would be astronomical even if they will be be playing in front of a of empty stands um, yeah so in answer I personally think that it will go ahead. Uh, the question of whether it's worth it, though, that's a that's a tough one. That's a really tough one in terms of just the moral question about it, whether it's worth it or not. I don't think they're going to push it back either. Yeah, it's a tough question, very tough. All right. I think that will move us on to our next question because in addition to the, uh, the British and Irish Lions series, we've also got uh, the Wallabies, uh, they're excited to have a series uh, against against France here in Australia, Les Bleus, and Hugh Tyndall. Shout out to Hugh, long-time uh, Gagger supporter, writer, everything. You you know it, he's done it. Uh, asked the question um, that he's excited for the Blues series. Rhetorical question, he's bloody excited. And he asked the question, how do you think the new broadcast arrangements will turn out? Do we have any hopes and fear or fears for it, Nathan, I'm going to throw it to you. This is more of a more of a business question. What do you reckon? Do you reckon uh, we're we're set for success with Stan? 
I mean, just just to answer his initial one, I'm really excited for that France game. I think it's <laughs> two of the youngest, two of the more youngest, exciting squads going at, going at it. I really hope they can do whatever it takes to get it going. As for the deal, look, I'm I'm cautious. It's it's like you're coming out of a bad relationship with an ex. Like you, we've been dealt with Fox, we've been put on the shelf, and now we've kind of been lured in. Stan launched today, reasonable price. It's a ten dollar add on from the original thing, so you, you can get away with essentially twenty bucks a month with the Stan and Stan Sport. Um, the only thing I have is that I still have that lingering fear that we're going to be second rate. Like they have good people on, they have people who look like they'll take care of it. But it looks like we've. I just have that feel we're going to be second rate to other sports. I, it's that that launch date, the nineteenth of Feb. What has it's Reds vs Waratahs? We're Friday night. It should be great. The only thing I have in I have is the other landmark event. Channel Nine has is the Australian Open. That nineteenth of Feb is probably going to be a big semi-final. What do do we? Or are we on Channel Nine for that? Is they pushing the Australian Open semi forward? Like, are they gonna? That's the test for me. If they're willing to sacrifice and essentially move that forward to a twilight spot and let rugby have free reign, then I'll, I'll start feeling like confident that all right, they've got our best interest. This is going to be their number one focus. They're going to try and grow this. But if, let's say, if that semi final, if say it's Federer and Nadal. Do Channel 9 all of a sudden go, well, we want that primetime rating. We want that 7 o'clock spot. So, rugby, Reds, Waratahs have fun on gym. Like, it's it, it's it's going to be tough. I'm still cautious. But it, I guess it'll all be answered 19th of Feb. Mm. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting one. What do you reckon, Jack? I know you're a bit more of a, you're kind of business savvy in this in this media landscape. What are your thoughts on this? Do you reckon we've... Uh, we're striking goals too early to tell. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm, I'm quietly uh, apprehensive about it. Um, I, I've seen people online already mumbling about the, uh, you know, the uh, add-on for, for KO Sports. I think, I think get over it. I think it's time, <laughs> it's time for – this is, this is our chance. Dance Sports, new start. They're willing to invest in, in rugby. It's now up to the fans to engage with it, sign up, to Stan Sport as soon as you can. Get in early. Make make the make make Stan know that people are interested in rugby and that it's going to be a viable product going forward. Because you know, this is this could be our last chance in terms of free to air coverage, um, streaming service. You know, future future audience that we're trying to tap into, and we're on we're on a platform where it's pretty much just us and tennis. So, you know, we're not competing with anyone and, and, and I think we need, yeah, just need to make a really good go about it. My, my, my big, I've already dropped KO, by the way. I think everyone. Has <laughs> I've purely got it for work. That's what, that's the yeah. reason I've got it. But message. the only reason we watch KO is for rugby, I think. Um, yeah. But yeah, in saying that the, the biggest fear is, yeah, that, that free to air will be pushed to some random channel, but, um, but but what they're offering looks great. They've got an extensive list of comps and and the broadcast team from all the rumors sounds um, pretty good. I think they've pretty much just transferred over the Fox uh, Fox team without all the uh, the kerns the trimming the fat. Yeah, the old toffs that are you know, stuck <laughs> in the dark ages. Um, so I'm I'm kind of ex- 
I'll, I'll be interested to see, you know, if they come up with any, you know, clever, clever little uh, broadcast uh, tricks and whether they'll present it any differently or will it just be a carbon copy of everything else they do? Um, you know, there, there's rumours that, you know, the Sunny Bills and the like are going to, you know, do the, do the commentaries because they want to get some of that league audience over. So, um, yeah, wait and see. But, you know, they're, they're making all the right noise. But, uh, yeah, uh, you know, whether whether they, you know, take one look at the ratings the first week and drop us like a cold pie, then who knows? Yeah, look, it's a, it's an interesting one. I'm The only thing I'm apprehensive about in, in kind of answer to the question is is really actually kind of the, the pricing for the moment, just because, I mean, you were paying, I think, 25 bucks a month, however much you were, to, for a Fox subscription. And it, this is an add-on on top of the 10 or $11 that you already pay for Stan, which is effectively $20, $21. Um, in terms of, uh, in terms of that which I think is a bit uh, which is, is an interesting call obviously they're, they're trying things out seeing how things go um, um, but in terms of the content I'm quite optimistic uh, in terms of what they'll actually deliver I think because nine I mean you've got that nine own the likes of you know your Sydney Morning Heralds and all of those uh, traditional newspapers that have traditionally been a lot more pro rugby. Um, than the than the like. I think it's a it's a decent match. Stan, even if you know you have some games that are are, are left on there, uh, you've got a two million subscriber base just straight off the bat, which is already um, miles better than what Fox had. And finally, rugby is on free to air. It's it, we've talked about this for years. Rugby is on free to air. There will be a game happening either at least one or two games because I know Super Rugby Eritrea is going to be on there too, I think, uh, to my knowledge. Um, there will be at least one or two games on Friday and Saturday night um, in at least some capacity for, on air for free. And while, you know, I think it's it'll be curious to see, uh, obviously, if the, I, I do see your... Your concern, Natho, in terms of which games will take will take priority, especially in comparison to the likes of the of the uh, of the tennis and the Australian Open semi final. Um, it's, I think now is an opportunity. Again, touching on your point, Jack, I think now is just an opportunity for fans to really show their support because we've been asking for, for free to air for years. Now we have it. Now's mm. the opportunity to put your money where your mouth is and show your support for the game. Um, yeah. it, and. The fact as well, we'll be able to watch all those Wallaby games. The fact we'll be able to watch, um, you know, at least a couple of Super Rugby games on free to air as well. It's uh, hopefully, I reckon, going to do a huge amount for the sport. And, you know, hopefully the numbers come out. I mean, there's a, there's a rugby audience there, judging by the success of competitions like the Shoot Shield. The fact that, you know, some of those Derby games have been able to compete with, you know, some AFL games um, in terms of numbers. So there's there's demand there. And hopefully the actual fan base, instead of, you know, being armchair critics, will actually go with it and, and say, this is a new stuff for rugby. It's, so, it's the time to do it. It's, if it's any time to make that jump, make that change, just get, get involved, get around it. Like, it's, I mean, it's this is the stage where we start to realise how big is this audience. We hear it all the time, like, our KO subscriptions, like, go up 20% once a Rugby World Cup because people want to get involved. Now that we're on our own platform, away from other sports, where it's basically you're buying rugby for with that stand spot out on, this is the time we figure out how big is our market? What is mm. left? Is it enough that we can kind of build something and kind of regenerate and get ourselves back on top? 
yeah, yeah. it'll be pretty clear um, when the numbers come in whether you know people have got the appetite for rugby that supposedly is out there. Um, I think, you know, I, I think it's about five years too late to be on, on free-to-air and even bothering about that, but we'll, we'll see. Yeah, no one look, tell me these days. Yeah, I mean, everyone's on streaming these days, but at least, you know, we're there with Stan Sport. So I think we're all unanimous. I think this is one of the first ones that we're all unanimously in agreement on. Cheers, Hugh. I think the assumption is basically extremely cautious but, optim- but optimistic. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so lastly, we head to our final question uh, of the evening, um, which comes from uh, Mitch Evans, um, who asked a particularly tough question, um, which is uh, for all of our Super Rugby franchises, bringing it back to Super Rugby AU, who's the player each franchise can least afford to lose? Mitch kind of got the debate started by talk, saying that it'd be Tupo, Gordon, Alalatoa, Tamua, and Lee Warner uh, for each of the respective uh, franchises. What do we reckon? And I'm going to throw to you to Jack first for this one. Um, which players do you reckon uh, that all of the respective Super Rugby AU franchises should move heaven and earth to keep uh, on the books? Yeah, this was a yeah, particularly tricky question. It's, you know, each fra- who can you not afford to lose? Like, who, who do you have to have in the team that, is going to make the difference, and um, particularly for the Brumbies, it was um, pretty hard because they're they're really stacked and they've really got some depth in in each position. Um, the one I sort of pointed out was maybe not much can't afford to lose, but the guy that I suppose the guy that needs to step up and be that player that they can't afford to lose is Simone. I think you know mm-hmm. they've got I back you on that hundred percent. Yeah, they've got White in half back, but they've got you know. All their fly halves are really young and they don't really have much depth at centre. So, you know, Simone got his cap, you know, last year and he and he, now he's a Wallabies player. He, he needs to step up and start acting like it. He needs to put some consistent performances together and really lead that team around the path. Uh, yeah, look, let's let's go franchise by franchise. I reckon let's yep. let's let's talk about here. So, I think it's uh, it's interesting that you talk about Simone. I actually am going to go one position uh, to, closer to the to closer to the forwards um no, Noah Lalesio for me I mean I think last year he was a big standout for the Brumbies um and this and you know considering there is no Liliofano anymore it is all young guns in that fly half position um Lalesio is a he is such a fantastic prospect not just for the Brumbies but for the Wallabies just in general, this guy looks fantastic. And um, even if he gets injured, you've got your Bailey Kunzels as well um, and the other gentleman, uh, Rizjan Pesatoa, I hope I'm pronouncing that name correctly, um, as well in the fly half position. But for me, Lalesio, fingers crossed he has a, has a good season, but I reckon um, he has so much to benefit from from that that Brumbies, uh, from being at the Brumbies. And I think considering the context of the Wallabies in general, um, they would have to, I reckon I'd be moving heaven and earth to keep him there uh, because he's such a valuable player. What do you reckon, Nathan? I'm with Jack. Um, I get uh, where Mitch was coming from. Alato is a very important player, but I think they have the the prop depth to cover if he was to go down. Mm. But way I sort of, way I attack this question is more of if, one player, was, if a player was to go down, could they replace him? 
when you look at the Brumbies, as Jack alluded to, there's not many positions where like they don't have that depth that someone can step up. Uh, but I think Samani is that is that active link. He is that he makes it work. He was I think one of the more underrated players coming in the past couple of seasons. Um, I think it, as as you mentioned, there's with Lelesio goes down, I think they've they've got that depth. I think uh, Kunzel's already is proved both at Super Rugby and at the um, John I Dent Cup or John I Dent Cup level at club competition that he's a class player and he can step up if needed. Um, but yeah, I I think Simone is probably their key link. When you consider outside of him, you're probably having to throw Solomon Carter in at centre, which yeah he played it at league, but it's a whole different game if you're coming over to Union where you're more. You're more involved within like your actual attack, so I'm, I'm with Jack. I'm Simone for me, their key player. Yeah, interesting that we're going from the we're going we're focusing on the backs. Um, but let's jump over to the force uh, now for this one. Um, God, this squad looks good. Jeez Louise, um, they have been doing some serious recruiting uh, in the off season. Um, lots and lots of players and um, and transfers coming in. Um, I'll throw to you for this one, Natho. Um, who do you reckon, uh, in terms of the positions uh, within the force, who do you reckon is the player that right now they cannot afford to lose? Ah, uh, so this is a tough one. Uh, you know, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna back, um, back Mitch's call. I'm saying Lee Warner, uh, Fergus Lee Warner. I think it's between him and Andrew Reddy. I think they're probably two players that they can't afford to lose. They're two players that know the system that know, essentially drive the forward pack. Um, I've seen when Reddy's playing well, they generally, like, they generally that forward pack will go forward. Um, it's, it, especially in a year where they're bringing so many different players into that back line, into the forwards, it's, you need those players that know the system that kind of, when, it's, when you're fatigued, when you need someone to say, all right, this is the way forward, this is our game plan. I think those two are your big players that will, may not make a difference, but I can direct them around the, that, that forward park around the park when it, it's crunch time. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, what do you reckon, Jack? Are you sticking with the, with the, with Lee Warner or do you have any other perspectives on this one? Oh, I, I think Kurandran is going to be a game changer for the force. <laughs> I think he's going to, he's going to, he's going to find some form now that he's, you know, left the Brumbies and he's going to be punching holes through the, through the midfield and, really getting that go forward that they've had you know good backs in the past but i think he's uh he's another class above so yeah look yeah look it's interesting it is it is going to be so weird i love that you've gone straight for the for the for the legend for the uh for the brumby veteran um in your (laughs) response to this particular question um yeah, look, it's they've got so much depth in that centre role. You've got Kieran Drani, you've got um, Kyle Godwin, Henry Taifu, which is a fantastic player, um, and even the likes of the other players uh, who can also slot into that role. Um, I'm I'm sticking in the forward pack. Um, I do think that uh, while Fergus Lee Warner is a, such a fantastic player, um, in the event he goes down, you've also got the likes of Ryan McCauley from who's moved over from the Waratahs, and of course, uh, let's not forget some bloke called. Jeremy Thrush, some legendary uh, all-black player um, who has been an absolute force to be reckoned with, pardon the pun, um, over in the West. For me, and this is kind of the one thing that I have been concerned about um, with this squad, um, up until from their, pretty much from their last season uh, in, in, the, in Super Rugby in its previous form until now, what I've been particularly impressed with the forces and uh, until this season, 
uh, has been their push towards trying to get more WA players into the squad. And I think while I'm a little, and I'm a little bit concerned by the amount of, of international players that they're bringing in, of course, obviously they need to be competitive. And last year, while they definitely did show up and showed their potential, it showed, uh, showed a lot of potential and a lot of grit. Um, it was clear that, you know, they need, they needed that more international experience. Um, I reckon they really need to push those those players, however, um, who are, have come through the Perth system and really need um, and who have really shown themselves to have great potential. I'm really hoping Kane Kateka has a great season um, in the flanker position. Um, he'll be supported by uh, uh, Thomas Lazana. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly from the Jaguares. Um, Tim Ansey from the Australian Sevens team is also making an appearance. But Kateka's, uh, you know, we've been I've been keeping a watch on him for a while. He's um, had a couple of solid appearances for the force um, in uh, through uh, over the last couple of years. He did really well in the NRC for for the Perth Spirit, um, and I'm really hopeful he can have a good season uh, this coming year, um, yeah. and he can really put a stamp on that. Because on top of it, you know, he's come through the WA system. He's born in WA, um, and I really hope that he can he can continue to show. Uh, the value of of having that of of sh- of showing fo- um, the best of WA rugby, um, a born and bred WA player. That's that's my pick. Um, yeah, that's a great shout. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's jump over to the Rebels because um, uh, they're in for a very interesting year uh, this year. I think uh, it's fair to say going down in uh, in the semi final uh, last year they showed a lot of potential uh, during the super rugby season before it was cancelled um, grabbing a couple of wins um, including one in New Zealand against the Highlanders but consistency has always been a massive massive uh, fault of the rebels over the last couple of years um, since uh, since Dave vessels took over um, shout out to Dave friend of the pod um, and it's a pity we haven't got Dylan uh, Dylan on to chat uh, to chat everything uh, Victorian rugby. But what do we reckon, gentlemen? Who do we think uh, is our player that the uh, that the Rebels cannot afford to lose this year? Oh. Uh, they haven't released their squad yet, have they? Uh, there's there have been some. I know that there have been some transfers. Um, I know a couple of Jaguares players. Um, have moved over. I know Ed Craig from from the Reds. I think is moving over. Um, I think jo- I mean I think Joe Powell might be going over to to yeah. Uh, jo- Joe Powell's over there. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. a couple. There's a couple of players as well. I think there's also a bloke from the Gold Coast Titans going over as well. Um, uh, young Tonga Pia. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Started out in rugby union. I think. I think he's Samoan. I want to say. Yeah. Uh, has come. I ironically come is a Melbourne born player. Um, up there with born, but like Melbourne raised. So he, he's be interesting to see how he comes back. He wasn't playing much rugby league, but we'll see how he goes. Mm, indeed, yeah. It's but there are similarly. There's a lot of players going in, and there's a lot of play. There's a lot of players, but there's a lot of players that have come out as well. Um, Anaru Rangi has has left to go to Japan. Matt Phillip has left to go back to France. Jermaine Ainsley has gone to the Highlanders. Um, Ryan Lawrence has gone to Japan, similar to Deegan. Um, Bill. Off to to uh, the to, to the USA with Tommy English. Even the magical wizard himself, Harry Potter, is yep. off. It has gone. He's gone to Leinster to, to Leicester Tigers. Yeah. Um, so there's Angus a lot of players in and out in America. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I think I'll, I'll I'll kick us off with this one. And uh, the big player for me is Nasirani. Um, 
this guy is a machine. He has proven to be so dangerous, um, both within, you know, in general play and uh, within the set piece. Um, I think he's probably one of the most exciting players uh, in Australian rugby at the moment. Um, and I think while he didn't get the full chance to show off his skills last year, this year he has the potential to be a real mongrel um, within the context of of the competition in general. Um, I think it's, you know, him um, will hopefully, he'll hopefully give that, that pack some good forward, some good forward, go forward, you know, support the likes of Rob Lyota, Richard Hardwick, um, and, you know, even that, that front row experience with Jordan Ulacy, Cameron Orr, Matt Gibbon. Um, it'll be such a, a huge connection point and a huge point uh, place that he'll have within that squad, um, which I think will be a, a really important selection. And I think so. Izzy Nasirani will be my pick. What do you reckon, Nathan? Who's, who's your pick? I, I love the Nasirani pick. I think he's, he's someone that doesn't get enough love from, at, at Wallaby selection time. I think it's... His lack of versatility um, hasn't helped. Essentially, he's, he's battling Harry Wilson for a number eight spot, and that's about it. They don't, I don't think they see him as someone who can come on in, in as a flank, flanker, which is a shame. But uh, aside from Nice Arane, um, Trevor, Trevor Hosea, um, I'll probably butcher the pronunciation, but when you look at their, the locks that they've signed at the moment, um, Carlos, as you mentioned before, Steve Cummins, like it's, it, it, I think it's a bit, it's a bit thin. I, you lose Matt Phillip, who was one of the best in, um, throughout that um, super, not super rugby, the um, essentially Tri Nations period, in my opinion, and you need someone to step up. And I think it, it's it's time. It's time Jose takes that step. I've I've reckoned he he pushes for Wallaby selection this year. If he can have a, if he has a good season, I don't see any reason why he can't. Considering the exodus of tall timber that's gone over the past eighteen months, I reckon he's got to do it for the Rebels. If, but if they lose him, I, I just don't see who who fills in, who takes that impact that he will have on the field for him. Mm. Yeah, in good good pick. Um, and lastly, Jack, what do you reckon? Who do you think will be your pick? Well, I would say the uh, the whole backline of the Rebels really needs to take a step up. They need to <laughs> get their act together. There's such quality in that backline. Um, they should be firing. But I'm going to go st- stay in the forwards and go. Jordan Ulysses. Um, I think you know he, he's been hampered by injuries a few times, but he's a he's a top quality player, and I think if he can string some quality game time together, it'll be a real real workhorse. Mm. Yeah, I love that we're all going for the front for the forward pack. Good on us. <laughs> but meanwhile, we, we completely ignored Matt Tamur and Reese and Reese Hodge and and Marika Corabetti, um, and, and, they, and even the like. I know Mitch Mitch mentioned um, Tamur, but I think. That that almost became that the issue of who plays fly half got answered when Reese Hodge stepped up. Like he's if Tamura goes down, you would have full confidence as a Rebels fan that Hodge could step in for that position, knowing that he's done it against arguably the toughest opponent in world rugby, and he, so he could do it in an Australian competition. Mm. Uh, but essentially, uh, Carter Gordon apparently some good things coming from him from the Reds. Apparently they were absolutely filthy to lose him with James O'Connor looking to go to the Chiefs. So there's, there's I think there's talent in that fly off and that back as Jack mentioned, there's talent across that back line. I mean, even they've got um, Lewis Holland in as in as a 15 side player this year. So I think the, the talent's there. It's just all about actually putting it together. And mm. as Jack said, just performing up to it. Mm. Yeah, I I agree. 
it's a it's a it's a it's an, it's going to be an interesting year for the Rebels, and I really hope they do show up because uh, God, they're due for one. They're due for a good season. Um, speaking of the red, sorry, yeah. sorry, Jack. So I was just going to say I think we've talked extensively about you know what positions you know best for Tamur and Hodge and all these blokes. It just doesn't seem to get resolved. They need to you know put some quality performances together to really stamp their authority on their whatever position they want. Mm, indeed, indeed. Um, so speaking of James O'Connor, let's head to the Reds. Um, mm-hmm. My God, this squad looks good. Jesus, jeez Louise. Lots of players uh, coming through. There's the, the Reds have lost a couple of folks. Isaac Rodders heading to France. Um, you've got the likes of Harry Hawkins as well, um, also going to Japan. Um, JP Smith as well going to the USA. But they are picking up some great players uh, from the Queensland uh, Premier Grade competition. Um, so many great players coming in from Brothers, West, Souths, um, University of Queensland. Um, and I'll throw this to to you first, Jack. Um, I have a feeling we're all going to pick in the same in the same place in terms of the positions uh, for for the Reds. Um, who is your pick uh, as the player the Reds can least afford to lose? Uh, I'm going to go Luke Hart. Mm. I think he he's going to have a big year. I think. Or at least he needs to be, and and if they lose him, they're really short. You know, in in general, all the Super Rugby teams are just so thin on the ground in sort of second rows. And you know, he he he's a quality he's a quality player. He's a he's a Wallabies player, and he he, he sort of he really did cement that spot. You know, you know, because they're through lack of options or whatever you might say. But you know, he he's a yeah he's a good second rower. He, he needs he, he needs to find the mongrel again. I think. Yeah, I agree. I think he's uh, he's he's shown a lot of potential for a long time, and I think you know, considering some of the potential he, considering what we know he's capable of playing in, um, I reckon he's uh, he is due for a big one. Um, what do you reckon, Nathan? Do you do you stick with LSL? Um, I tell you what, I'm going to go somewhere else. It's probably going to be a bit controversial. Considering the depth they have around it in, in that back line, but I'm going to say Jock Campbell. I think Jock Campbell is, outside of those that follow the Reds closely, is probably one of the most undervalued players in Australian rugby. I, we've seen the uh, comparisons to Larkham already. I think he's, he's not talked about enough as a fullback for the future. I love how he plays. I think that, especially given that you're probably going to have to move, if he, say, he goes down. You're probably going to have to move someone back. You're probably going to have to move a Hamish Stewart, who, let's face it, can play fullback, but that's not his natural position. You're throwing, otherwise, you're throwing someone like Mac Greeley in there, who I, I'll be honest, haven't seen much of, but I've seen the highlights of him and the comparisons to Callum Ponga have me very excited to see how he develops. But I, I think he's someone I don't talk about in terms of how he links up that team and how important he is. I really think if they're, as I've already predicted them to win the title this year, I reckon if they are to, he's got to have a, like a breakout season that puts him puts his mark in Australian rugby. Yeah, look, he's a he's an interesting one, uh, Jock Campbell, and uh, <clears throat> particularly within that within that back three space, and always, but more in the backline space in general, he's I think he's a under under like a more of a hidden weapon, uh, especially compared against the likes of Filippo Dalgunu and your Hunter Paisami's, um, and of course uh, Jordan Pattaya, who, who let's not forget is a uh, is an absolute freak of a human being, and then of course the casual James the mention of James O'Connor and Bryce Higgety as well. Um, yeah, an interesting one. 
I'm going to go for kind of be the more, probably the predictable one as I've not as I was all expecting we all go straight for the flankers. <laughs> um, so I'm surprised that neither of you have done that. Um, because God, the selection they have at flankers uh, in the flanker role and the loose uh, and, and, and the loose forward role is insane. Um, you know, you've got your Liam Wrights, your Harry Wilsons, um, your Angus Scott Youngs, um, Sam Wallace, who has been competing at um, for University of Queensland um, and had a couple of fantastic seasons in the NRC uh, for Brisbane City. My pick's Fraser McWright, though. Um, this guy has been has really showed a lot of potential. He's a really fantastic young gun. He really kind of uh, asked plenty of questions, you know, when he has been... Uh, uh, in the times that he's been at the Reds and the times that he's shown his, uh, shown potential. Um, I reckon he's going to have a great season this year. And he's he's such, a I think, an epitome of what the Reds are building towards. For the last few years, they have had such a young squad and they've been building and building and building under Thorne and getting better and better under Thorne. Like at some point, this talent and this confidence that is that is growing is going to burst, and I think and and lead to some real success off um, on the field. Um, I think this is the year for for the Reds, and I think this is also a year for the likes of players like Fraser McWright. Um, he's my he's my pick as the player to watch, and uh, I reckon considering as a, as a long term prospect of the future for the Reds, uh, they'd be uh, mad not to lose him. And. Um, and I think, uh, given uh, we are running out of time here, um, so we'll quickly finish up uh, down in Sydney uh, with the Waratahs. Um, I'll, and I'll throw to you, Natho. Um, I know that you're a, you're a big Sky Blue man and the last couple of years have left a lot to be desired. Which player uh, do you think the Waratahs can least afford to lose? Okay, that's short, sharp, sharp and sweep. Jack Mannix. He is, <laughs> he's the man to take him forward from the back. I thought he had a real good tw- um, 2020 season. Uh, considering how young that squad is, especially how young and experienced that back line is, he's the man to take it over. I've already said, I think, I, it was mentioned before, Jake Gordon by Mitch as, as his player for the Waratahs. I think Jack Grant's got the ability to step up and play a similar role if he goes down. I don't see anyone else in that back line who can do the same that Jack Mannix does. I think he's so crucial to that side. Yeah, it's a he's a he is a great player and really will be helpful in that back line, which has a lot of talented blood, but admittedly young blood. Um, what do you reckon, uh, Jack? Do you are you in agreement uh, with Jack Maddox in the back line, or are you sticking with the forwards? Uh, yeah, they really can't afford to lose anyone at all with the depth they have and the, the inexperience they have. Um, I'm going to go with a bit of a curly one. Um, Sam Wikes, they've recruited him out from the uh, out from the uh, the pasture and brought him in as 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 a second row option. And I think, you know, out of all their recruits, he's the, he's the most experienced and, and he needs to, you know, lead that, that second row core. I think they've drafted in a few New Zealand players and stuff like that to, to bolster their stock. So his experience will really count. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's, it's, it, it's interesting to have Sam Wax come over and they've also had, you know, two other blokes as well. I feel that uh, from, from the Blues, Sam Caird from the Blues, Jack Wetton from the Highlanders, um, also be brought in um, because depth, I think, is a like you say, is, is interesting. And I think, yeah, considering the p- potential that Sam Wikes has, uh, has uh, I reckon that's going to be a, an interesting one. And I'm for me, I'm sticking with the loose forwards um, for this particular instance because there is a big Michael shape, Michael Hooper shaped hole <laughs> in that uh, in that uh, flanker role and in that loose forward role. Um, 
I was impressed by by Lockie Swinton last year, um, in terms of uh, the actual mongrel that he brought to the game. Um, but but in all honesty, at the moment, I think he's capable of a lot better. Um, mm. And uh, you know, I watched him playing for Sydney in the NRC, and if his t- if the team is losing, I've often found Lockie will just he'll be all bite, he'll be all bark, and he won't bite. Hmm. Um, he needs to get to that level of using his aggression in a much more mature way, because a great tackle could turn a game. Um, in this particular instance, and in the event that the team is going down, uh, in the team, in the event that your team is losing, instead of kind of going into your shell. He has to be prepared to just kind of put a bit more leadership into that role, use his aggression authoritatively, and actually, instead of just being pure aggression and pure trying to just, you know, thump the the opposition into submission when they are up against the ropes. And you know, I think you know, for all intent, for the Waratahs will be up against the ropes in multiple cases in this upcoming season. He's got to stand up um, and not just be aggressive, but also be smart. In, with his choices and with his play. So I expect big things from him. And I, considering I've been personally underrating him for several for several years and have not been, you know, totally happy with the, with the quality of rugby he's been producing, I think he's capable of better. And I hope that he shows that um, in this upcoming season. So Lockie Swinton for me. And it's interesting we, 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 we skip the likes of Will Harrison and, and Ben Donaldson and all those exciting players as well. Um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting year of growth for the Waratahs, and hopefully it'll be a growth in the right direction. Um, so, great question, uh, Mitch. Thank you so much. Um, and that brings us to the end of this episode uh, of The Dropped Kickoff. Thank you so much, Nathan and Jack, for coming on. Cheers. My pleasure. Um, so for all of our listeners, uh, we'll be leaving some questions here. We'll be doing another one of these uh, in the uh, in the next couple of weeks, uh, leading up probably probably before the start of the season um, on February nineteenth. Um, if you have any questions that you want us to answer in another future Q and A, um, drop them in the comments. Shoot shoot us it on Twitter with the hashtag the dropped kickoff. Um, let us know if you have any controversial opinions of your own. We will always t- listen to them. We'll always take them on, um, and we'll hopefully answer them. Um, in a future segment on the show. Um, So that'll bring us to the end of this episode. Um, Thank you so much for listening. Here's to a happy and fun season of of rugby in 2021, and we'll catch you the next time around. Hey, Rick. Well, what did go wrong? I'll have to look look and think about it, think about it deeply, very deeply. Did it hinge in the end on a bit of genius from Shirley Bombo? A bit of genius, a bit of magic. Shirley Bombo. Very interesting. Very good, yeah. Very good. Three cheers for Sir Bombo. Very good, very good.